a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Alpine Star Protects. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Love doing these uh, shows with uh, some of the guys that uh, you remember their names, you remember their, the races they won, and uh, checking in on them now and seeing what's up. Uh, really appreciate you guys downloading these on the um, Pulpamex app or on iTunes or get them on Stitcher app as well. And uh, don't forget, uh, there's, you can just type in Pulpamex or Steve Mathis on iTunes and, and a bunch of shows come up. Really appreciate it. Each year, Fly Racing develop, they test, they improve their products, and the never-ending pursuit of the perfect racewear. They got the, the BOA system that they integrated last year. They got the BOA system on two lines of gear now. It's unmatched comfort, performance, and durability that make it an industry leader in technical racewear. Uh, Blake Baggett, Weston Pike, just some of the top riders that run Fly Racing. Uh, for 2018, they've created their lightest, most comfortable, and durable gear yet. Please check it out, flyracing.com. Also, to the folks at Alpine Star Protects, you know their boots, Tech 7s, Tech 8s, Tech 10s, and all that. You know how good they are. Well, they've got a whole line of protection products as well. The BNS Tech Carbon Neck Support System, the A1 Roost Guard, and the Fluitech Carbon Knee Brace uh, is all made with the quality of A-Stars. Fits underneath your gear really well. And uh, if you know how well their boots are made and how well their boots last, then this whole line of protection products they've got, besides those products I mentioned, they've got a lot more. The Alpine Stars guys uh, have their name on a lot of quality products, as well as the Alpine Star Medical Unit. Each and every week at Supercross and Motocross. So thanks to those guys and thanks to Fly Racing for uh, for doing this. I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, and a Supercross champion, an Enduro Cross, Enduro champion, uh, Desert Baja 1000 champion, uh, Ty Davis. What's up, Ty? How are you, man? Oh, good, good, Steve. Um, yeah, just uh, doing the same old, same old. You know, working and uh, all that fun stuff. High desert life still for you, right up there. Yeah, I've been here my whole life since I've moved here since I was four, and uh, it actually turned out really, really well since uh, my career involved motocross with all the motocross tracks and you know close by, and mm-hmm. then it worked out great in my off-road career because I had the desert right next door too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, it right? Good. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's interesting, and and people um, at one time wasn't Yamaha and Suzuki's uh, Supercross test track up there as well. Um, I don't know about Suzuki's was at race town. Okay. Um, it was there, it was there for years and, um, but Yamaha, I don't remember where Yamaha's okay. was. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's like you said, it's a nice mix up there to do basically anything you want. Kiefer's always trying to get me to move down there, by the way, I'm in Vegas. So he's always trying to get me to move to the high desert. So well, it's a little bit cooler than Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Uh, how is zip tie racing doing? I assume that's what you're doing now. How's everything going with that? Um, yeah, I got a couple little things I, I'm doing differently, you know, just with the economy that took a, a dive, I've, you know, had to kind of spread my wings a little bit and, uh, 
do a bunch of different things to try to survive here. Mm-hmm. And um, zip, zip tie racing is doing pretty good. I mean, we're we're selling is designing new, new stuff. Um, you know, the tire is the last thing that I've made, and uh, that's been going pretty good. And um, just you know, we're selling the drain plugs, the shark mm-hmm. fins, and, and stuff like that. So that uh, that's kind of what we do there. We started uh, hill training, which. Um, We've been, you know, I've been helping riders out throughout the yep. years, and uh, so we start our. I have an in-house trainer that that lives here that we take care of the riders, and and I, you know, you got to have the whole package, and mm-hmm. uh, with having the trainer here and having them take them riding and stuff like that, it works out really well. Um, you know, with with zip tie racing, I started doing suspension stuff, and it's kind of funny when you start helping out riders, then you got to help them with their suspension. So <laughs> right, it's kind of right. like it all kind of big circle, you know, and yeah. uh, so. Yeah, we've been doing that, and um, you know, I started. I was doing tours a couple of years ago, um, taking guys riding out through Death Valley and, and stuff like that. I really enjoy doing that. That's sure. a lot of fun, um, and it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, sounds like it. Um, uh, how can people learn more about it? Do you have a website where we can direct people to if they want to get a tour from you, or or? Yeah, they just go to theziptieracing dot com, and it has everything on there. And um, you know, yeah, the, the, the tour thing is is a blast. I mean, now yep. that I'm basically retired from racing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love to go out dual sporting and I like to go, you know, point A to point B and, uh, you know, we'll ride from my house to Ransburg to Death Valley to, you know, and just hit hotels, you know, and spend yep. the night there and, and, and work up the whole, you know, West coast basin. So it's, uh, it's really fun. It's, it's fun. You get the, yeah, I get a lot of people from Europe that come over. I was going to say, that's and, a, that's a great clientele right there. Uh, people from Europe and everything I've read about you and want to go riding at Death Valley and all this. And that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because people, I mean, I never knew it until I quit racing that Death Valley was so cool. I just thought, who would want to hell, who would want to go out to Death Valley, you know? And uh, so, but once you start going out there and you start seeing the history, you know, and all Uh the mining towns and everything, it's really, really interesting. And a lot of the stuff is still there. You get to see it and it really brings you back to reality. Like, wow, this stuff is, you know, what they did. How'd they they get to these mine shafts, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty neat. So, and, and of course, you know it like the back of your hand. So, no better guy to go with, you know, than 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 somebody like yourself. That's like, yeah, I know exactly where to go. What's cool? What's neat? What's not? You know, and all that. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a, it's, a, uh, it's a lot of fun. I wasn't uh, one of the questions I ask a lot of the guys, the older retired guys, when I do this, are, do you still ride? Again, I know you still ride because you took my buddy Gothic J out and jacked his shoulder <laughs> up, Ty. Uh, the, the last two weeks, the last two races, he's been like, oh. My shoulder's jacked, man. Ty Davis, he went over a log. So why, why do I always get the blame? Every time something goes bad, my name comes up. Oh, I went riding with Ty. Oh, Ty tortured me in this canyon, or yeah, you know. But it was an epic day, and it was a. Uh, he had his whole weekend planned out, uh-huh. and I called him. I said, "Hey, look, it's raining, and when it rains here in Southern Cal, you have to act immediately." Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I go, right. <laughs> you want to go ride tomorrow? He's like, oh, I'll see what I can do. I'll say, okay, all right, it's on. So, uh, uh, so it was it was Jay and uh, Kyle Mercer, and we went up, and it was just ego dirt all day. And we got up into the forest, and uh-huh. it was just we were having a hell of a time. And he hit a log and uh, spit him <laughs> off. <laughs> he said uh, he didn't know whether the log caused his shoulder to pop out or it popped out beforehand, and then he hit the log and flew off. But either way, he's been <laughs> at the races high, and he has been complaining and hurting for a couple of weeks now. And he just got his hip done too a little while ago. So gee whiz. 
<laughs> yeah, I called him. I, I texted him last week. I said, hey, guess what? The rain's back. I sent him pictures of all the clouds, and he's like, oh, I can't move. I can't ride. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. He took me out to the hills uh, behind the Supercross test tracks to some Corona Dilla track that he loved. And I'm like, Jay, this is no fun. This sucks. This isn't fun. He's like, oh, yeah, you just test yourself. You just ride for 30 minutes. I'm like, no, I don't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> so it's, it's so funny you say that because you know there's a lot of the trails that he's been riding of mine that are just whooped up is they're, they're like uh-huh. no fun to ride right and he loves it yeah i'm like jay like let's get on the trail that on the whoops i mean we're just enjoy ourselves what are we doing is this a training session or are we going <laughs> yeah. trail ride and have a good time you yeah. know it's like he just loves those beat up trails. Uh, he's gothic jay he's he's unique um all right let's get into uh let's get into the time machine a little bit and go back because uh um, I want to talk about your Supercross title, of course. Everybody wants to talk about that. And it was so cool that you did it basically as a privateer. But before then, uh, growing up uh, up in the high des, um, were you into off-road, which you know took you into later in life in moto? Were you always into off-road? Or were you just one of those dudes that motoed down all the time? And then, you know, as we'll get into when the moto ended, you, you got to the off-road. But were you at one time, like uh, as a kid, 12, 13, 14, uh, did you grow up dreaming of being, you know um, – Jeff Ward and, and Brock Lover, or did you grow up dreaming of being a desert guy? I well, I was mostly a desert guy. I mean, I, my dad raced desert uh, for years. You know, um, he had every number in the top ten except one. You okay. know, for years. Yeah. And uh, then then my dad started getting interested in six days, mm-hmm. and you know, he's like, ah, the desert racing is getting dangerous. The speeds are getting high, and so we started doing Corona Raceway Grand Prix and and started motos. You know, that type of stuff. And he was using, like, Saddleback Parks, you know, Saturday Saddlebacks to get his skills up for six days for the special test. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of was my introductory to start doing moto. You know, I just was a kid. You know, I was 11, 12 years old. And 12 years old was my first desert race. You okay. know, it was a kid's race. Yep. And uh, I didn't even care to race, to be honest. I just enjoyed riding. I just loved riding. And uh, so when we started doing more Grand Prix mm-hmm. and, you know, I started getting better and better, and then a, a friend of mine, Brett Leaf, uh, worked at Honda R&D, yeah, and yeah. noticed me, and they were looking for, uh, you know, endurance riders to, to test the 80s, and then so I got on that program. Oh, okay. And then I, I started racing with, you know, or riding with Sean Kalos and, you know, uh, Mike Young and, you know, all these kids that, you know, at, the, at the time. Yeah. And I started getting faster and faster and started going, you know, obviously it was their goal to go, the, you know, as fast as the fastest kid that day, and sure. I just started, my speed started picking up, and then... And then uh, Brett started taking me to, like, the Trans World, the Golden State. Um, he took me to Loretta Lands, you know, started doing all these, these big races. Oh. And then uh, that's how my whole moto thing just been developing. Uh, um, I, I didn't know Brett worked at Honda. I know, obviously, Cowie forever. I didn't know he was a Honda guy at all. So, interesting. Um, yeah, he worked back in 84, 85. Yep. And endurance testing, I guess, just, hey, kid, here's a CR80. Go out there for 30 minutes, huh? Yeah, we yeah it was it was a lot of fun. You, know, you just you know, I, of course back then I was like thirteen, fourteen years old. I was you know, Honda. You know, it's funny, Honda called me up and they wanted me an endurance test. Honda factory, and then of course you know, as a kid your head just swells up, you <laughs> yeah, know, and yeah, and uh, but it was it was fun because you know uh, you know Johnny O'Mara would be out there endurance testing the bigger bikes. You know, all the factory guys would be out there. You oh, know, yeah. and Terry Fowler was out there. And, you know, just you know, it was, it was really cool and you know really like. Oh, you know, opened my eyes to a lot of things, and uh, so yeah. And then of course, uh, you know, I was doing so good, and I was, you know, I was going just as fast as Kalos, and I never raced the World Mini at Saddleback, you know. And mm-hmm. I show up, and I just crumbled. I crumbled. <laughs> I, it was, I was, I felt so bad. I was like, it was the worst race ever. I mean, I was, you know, kicking everyone's butt, you know. And then I show up at the race, and I had no idea it was that big, you know, because I just, I'm a desert boy, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, 
And, uh, yeah. and Kalos, uh, so that kinda... and Kalos has his bus there, and you're going, what, what is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I am riding these special bikes that are the year before, the prototype stuff, you know, and who's this kid, you know? And then I'm sucking on it, and it's like, oh, my God, it was so embarrassing. But, you know, it, it, yeah, Mike Keeley, Eddie Hicks, all those yeah. guys, you know, and it was just not a world that I was not used to at all. And Bobby Moore, I mean, all those guys. And, uh, but, you know, I turned it around and, you know, started getting serious and then, uh, you know, how to do it. Uh, interesting uh, path for sure. For, for so, you know, talking about getting into moto and and your, you know your greater your better successes. It sounds like you almost like fell into it a little bit. Where, you know, you were like, yeah, sure, I'll do some endurance testing. And then, like you said, the racing started, and you're like, outside of that crumbling at Saddleback, you're like, oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm getting I'm getting yeah. okay at moto. Yeah, we we just started once there. I just you know yeah I raced you know because Eddie Hicks was at the top of the game at that time you mm-hmm. know and then I went to 125s and then uh, Honda gave me a support ride and Gary Martini was it was the guy in kind of yeah. in charge of that and uh, so I started doing like the Reddit stuff and then won a championship there and and you know the Golden State Series you know not all the factory guys would ride the first three yeah. events before Supercross started. But I ended up winning the series there and I ended up winning the Trans Cow. Me and uh, Willie Surratt went at it and. And the amateur class in ranks, and um, so it just kind of like it just started snowballing, you know. And oh, look, I did this, I did this, and then you know, <laughs> hey, and then it, like wow. I said, once I got the support ride, then Suzuki came along, and they were you know looking for riders, and I yeah. you know I rode for Suzuki for a while, and um, um, and we, it, let's let's back up though a little bit. Um, when you went to the Honda endurance testing, was this at Honda Land? Would you go out there to that legendary Honda yeah. Land? Yep, I go to Honda Land. And wow. then, uh, G. Michael Bell was out there. Yeah. You know, um, DeCoster would show up. You know, in the factory stuff, and they do their testing and oh, stuff. Oh wow! And, so you're just like, holy you know. shit! Look at these dudes. There's O'Mara. There's yeah. RJ. There, yeah, right. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah. For a kid, you're just like, oh my gosh, you know. And uh, so yeah, I want to be just like those guys, you yeah. know. And and uh, so it was it was fun. I compare because they always did lap times and stuff. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was always trying to beat everybody, and and it just kind of like gave me a goal. You know, and I just kept pushing myself and pushing myself. So you won, uh, you won one twenty five A and eighty six at the ranch, uh, beating Kyle Lewis, Larry Ward, Kordowski, Larocco, all guys who go on to you know fame and fortune as moto guys. I'm guessing Ty, were you and Lewis a bit of rivals? He's high des also, right? You and him? Uh, he's he's yeah, he was Palmdale area, but I I just saw him at the races. Oh, okay, you know, all was, right. Every know. time we go to uh, like a, a Ponca City race or something, or like a qualifier, it was Kyle, myself, Mikasevich, and Kudowski. It was just us four all yeah, the time, yeah. you know. <laughs> just and, uh, back and forth. Yeah, and we had to ride, you know, eight motos a day because you had all the classes. You know, it was it was crazy. But yeah, we raced with those guys all the time. So you win '86 Loretta's on a Honda. You've been working with Brett Leaf and the Honda guys. Uh, you're obviously getting really good. Um, Pro, you know, at racing, and so in '87, I'm looking at the Loretta Lens or at the Racer X Vault. Uh, you're on Hondas, and you get tenth in Anaheim, eleventh at Hangtown, and seventh at Millville. So it's a real random schedule tie. <laughs> why, why one Supercross and two Nationals in '87? Did you get hurt at some point, or were you no. a privateer dude, or just trying different things? It was, yeah, I was just trying it. I, I never d- did it, you know. It was kind of like it was kind of new to me, and, and uh, you know, I knew that was the next step, right? You know, and I, and so I just was kind of trying, trying it out, trying to see if I couldn't, you know, get something, and and uh, you know, that's basically, yeah. I so just kind of hit, hit and miss. In '88, Suzuki picks you up. Uh, was this a full factory ride, or is this like a support ride in '88? It was a semi factory ride. Okay. And you know, so I, I, you know, I signed on with them, and. Uh, and uh, I rode for them for, I think it was two years. Did you get on the 88. Suzuki in 88 and go, 
oh my god, I made a mistake. My Honda was so much better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, my thoughts exactly. I, well, I you know, I've done so many of these with, with like it's not a coincidence. George Holland, you know, raced Suzuki for years, got on a Honda, won a title. You know what I mean? Eric Kehoe yeah. never got on a Honda, could never win. Uh, in, in in the mid to late '80s, these Honda 125s, especially, were so much better than everybody else. Oh yeah, and I got on there and on the on the '88 Suzuki, and it was so slow. And you know, <laughs> at, the, at the time, it was they showed up with 12 box fans. I mean, it looked it was yeah. like that's that's yeah. the team to be on, you know. And and I was like, you know, what should I do this, Brett? Should I, should I you know, stay with Honda? You know, man, this is a that's a great opportunity, and everyone's winning, you know, on them and. And I got on them, and it was like, oh my gosh, this, you know. Of course, you know, I couldn't get the factory stuff. I had the production; it was so slow, and I, it just burned me out big time. Oh. And uh, but the '89s, you know, I yeah, some of the newer bikes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, kind of the carrot was sitting there, and I'm like, okay, well, I get off these things because I had some good results. I got like third or fourth at Ohio National on it. Yeah. You know, and that was they kind of gave me some of the you know semi factory stuff, you know, and. So it wasn't a bad bike. It just my practice bikes were just horrid. And uh, <laughs> but um, but the '89 was coming, and I was all excited about that. Yeah. And I did it, and I I got this mechanic uh, Berninga, and he just kind of mentally just killed me. Just oh, Randy, killed me mentally. Randy Berninga yep. used to be Hannah's guy, right back in the day, and all yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah. He I remember him leaving me in Idaho. He got mad at me and left me in Idaho, and Bob had to fly me home. And it was just like the guy was crazy um, and it really it really jacked me up mentally you know going to races i just wasn't you know because i this was all new to me you know and yeah and i just wasn't mentally i didn't have my parents like you know flying to the races promote, helping me and sure and, yeah, yeah. You no know, i was on my own i was you know at 16 18 years old i'm on my own you know and uh Everyone had their families and their motorhomes, and I was just like this high desert kid going, well, what the heck's going on here, you know? And, and when was, things didn't yeah. go good, it just, you know, I struggled. And uh, so at the end of the year, I, you know, he, they finally got rid of Randy, and I told Bob, I said, Bob, I said, look, give me one more year. You yeah. know, I said, uh, and I said, I'll tell you what, Bob, I said, I will, I, I'll just do the Supercross season, and if I don't win the Supercross series, just fire me. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I knew no one would ever put their nuts on the line like that. Yeah. I just, you know, I said, look, I know it's a business. I get it. Give me one more chance. Please give me one more chance. Um, you know, I said, I don't have to do the nationals, just the supercross only yeah. deal. And if I don't, if I don't win, I'm not saying second, third, if I don't win, fire me, I'll move on. You know, I can't yeah. do it. I'll go do something else. He's like, all right, goes and talks to, uh, I think it was Tosh, Tosh, Tosh at yep. the time. Yep. And, uh, and he calls back, goes, yeah, I think we're going to do that. You know, it looks pretty good, Ty, da-da-da. And I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden, I forget that Honda had some program, amateur program, had Michael Craig, Stevenson, and all those guys. Yep, and, yep. and at the last minute, it, it, like, fell through. And they all came available. So then Suzuki went and hired all them. And since yeah. I didn't have a signed contract... I got, I got out, out, ousted, you know, it was like, what the heck? And it, they didn't just tell me, it was like, Hey, we need the box van back. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> you know? um, and, uh, this was, so, uh, you know, yeah. Denny, Denny Stevenson was just over here doing uh, the Pulp Mech show with me. And he told me this story. He was all signed up on Honda. Him and him and Mike Craig were signed up to be on factory Honda. And then it got pulled and he, he had to, he talked about how, yeah, Ty Davis got screwed because, uh, I got hired. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny that, you know, he told, he knows the exact same story the same way. Like Honda just said, yeah, you're done. You know, everybody was all set to go him and Craig. And then it was like, no, you're not, you're out. So, um, yeah. So then, it, this so was then the I just, all I, Randy had given me a built, had given me enough parts to where I built some bikes 
and I was, I had to put them together. I had no money. You know, I was totally, you know, broke. And uh, so I sold the two bikes and then I went down to John Burr cycles and bought two Hondas and said, you know what, you know, by then it was so late. Yeah. Kelly already had their program and I said, screw it. I'm just going to yeah. go and, you know, see what I can do. And I already had enough confidence and I had enough anger that <laughs> built yeah. up that, you know, I'll show you guys, you know, I'll show you Bob, you know, suckers and then uh yeah. i just went out there and i i just trained and and uh, the art the guys uh honda r&d they helped me you know the japanese guys would come up and ride with me and they'd, they'd give me some parts here or there you okay, know and yeah. uh um and it's, that's, it's that's kind of how it started it's funny though going back to the suzuki days they seem to they seem well first of all they seem massively unorganized uh talking to danny and talking to bud man and everything else and they they you know tishner turpin schmidt Kehoe, Holland, you, uh, like you said, it was, it was, they, they threw a bunch of kids into the mix without a ton of support and, you know, kind of saw how everybody shook out. You know what I mean? It was a, a real weird way to run a factory team back then, but, um, right. it was, uh, it's interesting to, to see the guys get success once they got off Suzuki's. And even though, like you said, 89 wasn't a bad bike, um, how much, like you talked about Bob and Han at this time was part-time racer, uh, working with the race team. How'd you get along with him? I got along with Bob really good. Yeah. You know, cause we were desert guys and, you know, he grew up in Palmdale desert and, yep. and, uh, you know, when we go testing like out in Honda Valley out by, by me, you know, he's like, yeah. And, you know, and we kind of, you know, we kind of see eye to eye, you know, we were all in the hardcore training and, yeah, yeah. and, you know, so yeah. Um, Danny, Danny talked about how. This is in 1990. You're on Hondas now, but in in 90, it's, it, Bob was still faster than everybody on the team. <laughs> he was still able, you know, motocross able to smoke everybody. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I always, I, you know, I just, I just couldn't believe that I was, you know, Bob Hanna. I was working with Bob Hanna, yeah. the legend. You know, it's like holy crap, you know. And yeah. uh, no, it was, it was good. And it was, you know, I took a lot of stuff from what I've learned back then to sure. use it to this day, you know. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, and then I did a podcast with Budman a little while ago, and so. Buddy Antonis is the hottest shit, right, ever in 80s and, and just going to be the next superstar, right? And Suzuki's invested right. all this time and money into him and everything else. And then he was telling me, Ty, just like what you just did right now, he comes into the pros and parents aren't going to the races, not like nowadays. Man friends aren't there like nowadays. He's 16. He's got to rent cars. He has to figure out where these tracks are. Suzuki doesn't help him. He, he's. I'm just like, yeah, you would think that they would be like, you know, never mind with Ty Davis, but with Budman, they'd be like, put this guy into a glass case. Let's make sure he's good. Let's help him. Let's. And Budman basically said it was none of that. You know what I mean? It was, it was just, here, kid, here's a bike. All right, see you later. Here's a box fan. And it's crazy. It's crazy that they they treated you guys like that because I mean you want to. If you're looking back on it, you're like, what? Like you guys are sixteen, seventeen. You can't figure none of this stuff out. <laughs> yeah, no, it, that was a big sh- shell shock. You know, you're yeah. like, what the heck? I mean, dude, yeah, it was crazy, crazy. And but at the same time, you your head was so swollen because you're a factory Suzuki sure, rider. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, it's like, oh my gosh, you know. Uh, looking but, at your results here, and, and again, this is again the sign of the times. I've done so many of these podcast shows with with guys like you and this is because and if you equate it to 2017 ty and you know you know what's going on in the pits nowadays in 88 you're what 17 16 whatever whatever you are you're fourth in supercross 10th in motocross in 89 you're fifth in supercross 10th in motocross i mean 
these are good results. You're on the podium in Supercross, you know, um, and just see you later, kid. You suck. You're, you're terrible. If if somebody went four and ten nowadays and five and ten in two years in two fifty, you know, motocross Supercross class, they'd be like set for life. It's just hilarious back then how results, unless you were winning, they did not care. You know, it, right. it blows me away um, all the time. Because yeah. as a 16, 17-year-old kid, that was, those are good results. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was, I thought they were good. And, you know, <laughs> but like you said, you know, times are so different now. Yeah. You know, it's like when I won the championship, I got $2,500. I mean, really? Yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> You know, right? it's like, uh, yeah, it was like, that's 2500 bucks. So that's great. And then I really, you know, and McGrath was coming up at the time, yep. you know, and at the very last few races, McGrath was really starting to put a push, you know. Mm-hmm. Amig was always, you know, hot and, hot and cold, um, but McGrath was, like, consistent, you know, and I was like, oh, man, next year it's going to be tough, you know, and then they, they pointed me out. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, like I just yeah. finally got some confidence. Yeah. Everything was rolling, and they're like, oh, well, you pointed out yeah and they threw me in the 250 class and i was like i wasn't ready for the 250 class you know i'm the kind of guy that i gotta have like a, a little bit of experience before i really start you know mm-hmm. doing stuff and uh yeah i, I struggle in the 250 class um yeah it, it and jeremy buell same thing hey buell see you later he's like what i've raced like two years like what you know it's 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 nuts to think of how some careers changed over some decisions and and depending on where you who you ride with and and how you you know how you go about it um looking at your results too you got second in 89 at the first two rounds in supercross and one of them is that miami race where bradshaw crashes 14 times and in the sand <laughs> you have to bring that up everybody has to bring that race up uh, well i was actually there that day i'm from canada but i was down riding at Kroom as an amateur and we went to that was our first ever supercross i've ever been to was miami 89 so it always stands out for me uh, as far as that goes um so uh, eighty nine, the Suzuki bikes were a little bit better, but like you said, um, that was it. That you know they picked up basically Danny Stevenson, left you on your own. And I guess Ty, uh, going back to your Honda days, like in eighty eighty six and eighty seven, you're like, there's no doubt I am gonna I'm gonna ride a Honda, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah I was full on you know, and then, and I, now I look back at it and I you know I wish you could you know see the future. I would have never ever left yeah. Honda at the time. No, no way. No. Um, so you're, so you're full privateer and like you said, Honda's backdooring you a little bit of stuff or how? No, what it was, was I just went down to John Burr, bought some bikes yep. and I went to DG. DG was helping me at the time and yep. we built a pipe and we milled the head and I put on some old works, uh, conventional forks that I had left over from Suzuki on my gonna, bike and I, I went ask, racing. I was going to ask you about that. So you had these forks. Now I heard that there's a, there's a, there's a motocross urban legend going on out there, Ty, that Suzuki wanted those back, and you basically told them to pound sand. Is that true? Well, I didn't cut go like that. Okay, but all right. I was I was using them at the first races, and at the first race, I got like a fourth, and okay. uh, right behind Antonez, and I would have had him one more lap. You know, it was one of those deals. The next race, I do good. Uh-huh. And I think it was Houston. They call up, and and uh, and I kind of put my foot in the mouth. You know, inexperienced, oh. pissed off attitude at yep. them for screwing me over, and. So I got on the podium and Larry Myers interviewing me. And at the time, you know, Yosh told me I could have some of my parts. You know, he could basically keep them because I asked him, can I have some of these old Suzuki parts? Okay. Yeah, sure, Ty. So I wasn't lying when I got on the podium. I said, I could like thank Suzuki because at the time, if it wasn't for them allowing me to have those parts, there's no way I could have gotten two bike, two Hondas. <laughs> so I, you know, because I took those bikes and I sold them and yeah. got some cash and got some Hondas. How did you make and, the How did you make the clamps work though? Because they came with USDs, crappy upside downs in '90. So how did you make the clamps we, work, or what'd you do? We just put spacers in there. Oh wow! We just, we okay. Just, 
we just made aluminum spacers, stuck them on there, and uh, we, you know we ran them. Oh, okay. But after after Houston, yep. that's when Suzuki called me up and said, "Hey, um, you got a bike of ours, and you got some forks and all that other stuff." And uh, so I ended up, you know, yeah, I gave the bike the 250 back, and uh, I gave them, the, you know, gave them some of the forks, and and uh, basically, you know, went from there. But I still ran conventionals the rest of the rest of the season. Uh, but what so the the factory ones or what? Are you had to give those back? I gave the factory ones back, but I took the. I had like a couple sets. Okay. What I did was I took the best, best pair, and then I bought you know stock sliders and. Oh, okay. And yeah, they yeah. Didn't, Maybe. They didn't have the works outside stuff, and yeah. they never bothered me after that. Yeah, they were mag bottoms on those. I think right They're like the magnesium bottoms. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's funny. And yeah, then, because if, yeah, if you look at your Honda that year, obviously it, it looks pretty pretty different. Yeah. The the, the urban myth tie that I, before I'd ever spoken to you was that Suzuki said, "Hey, we want those forks back," and you're like, "Yeah, come get them." Good luck with that or whatever, <laughs> but but you actually no, ended no. up giving them back. Okay. Yeah, no, I I I work with people. I'm never like that, you know. But I, you know, I did. You know, they didn't know how many sets I had. They didn't know how, they didn't know what anybody had at the, yeah. day, at the day. I mean, Randy had all kinds of stuff, you know, yeah. and they just throw that stuff away. And I was like, hey, you know, I just took the best of what I had, and I yeah. got some. You know, they just the, the sliders on the bottom just you know slid right on. So I just you know all I had was the clickers and internal you know yeah. work stuff internal, and that so was it. So you'd run a Suzuki front brake then because of the hanger, I guess you had to. Or, yeah, 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 uh, and yep. Suzuki front wheel and everything. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Interesting. So in '90, like, how are you making money? You get a little bit of money from MSR, I guess, and yeah, and like just a little bit of money here and there. Contingency. Yep. I was I was living off of uh, you know what I'd win at the races and a little bit of money from MSR and you know it wasn't much money at all and it would just get me to the next race and then you know. And I was doing in between supercrosses. I was doing local races, and you know, yep. you know, doing all that stuff and making money there. And yeah, I just on a shoestring budget. And then once I started, like once I started doing good, then you know, the coster would say, "Hey, we have a pipe for you." Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And that's like they would like kind of you know, and it was uh, um, uh, what's the kid name? Uh, oh, that road with so we we kind of his he was buddies with Martini too. Him and his mom and dad. Um. He's a negotiator now. Lives in Arizona. Um, oh, um, he wrote home. Yeah, I don't know. Um, trying to think. Tall, he's a tall guy. He wrote for Yamaha. The, his last. Uh, his oh, Button. Jimmy Button. Back. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Button. Oh, yeah. yeah, Jimmy Button. And I. We would go to the races, and we would have our our, our white vans next park next to the Honda. You know, box yeah, van. Okay. And that's you know, and that's kind of uh, how we went to the races. They just kind of we did park next to them, and you know, and uh, go racing. Uh yeah, it's crazy to think about. Like, so you know. You're a privateer and you won a Supercross championship, 1990, 125 West title. It's just nuts to think about that. That no one had anything for you. No one. You bought some bikes from John Burr, and and you yeah. won a Supercross title. Um, and if you look back, Ty uh, McGrath got second. Uh, Antonez, Emma, Craig, Lampson, Button. This is a good like. That's a all time you know guys that you beat back then. Um, pretty right. pretty amazing. Um, how did the last race go? Did you have it? Easily, or I don't remember that year. Did you have to? No, it was it was horrible. That whole last race, it went horrible. I almost lost the championship. Okay, and uh, was... you know because there was a lot of a lot of pressure for one. Yep. And then uh, Honda took my bike, and my mechanic was buddies with Martini, so he'd take okay. my bike down to Honda, and they prepped it. Well, I go out on you know the first lap, and the bike doesn't run or something. I got major problems. I don't get practice. Oh boy. You know, and so then yeah, so then I you know. I go, we get the bike running and then I, you know, I don't know all the jumps and I just, I struggled. And, 
I didn't make it in my qualifier. I had to go to last chance. I struggled. I got it in the last chance, you know. Boy, jeez. <laughs> like, everything is going wrong is going wrong. And I'm like, dude, you know, this sucks, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I was able to, uh, you know. And, I, and then I wasn't even on, on my game that day. So I, I think I finished, I don't know, sixth, seventh or something like that. But it was, I had to get top ten to win the championship. Uh, ninth. And, yeah, ninth in Pasadena. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I barely made that, won the championship. And then they had the east and west deal. And uh, so the first turn there, someone took me out, and then I got up, and my bike went and run. Like, there was something that, like, broke on the cylinder or something that I was just lucky to even finish the race before. Oh, jeez. It was like, yeah, it was horrible. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I almost lost this deal. But it was such a, you know, it was the biggest moment, but then the wor- worst moment, you know. It was like, yeah, man, yeah. And, and I always think, you know, you never can – no one can take that away from me, that championship. And it's amazing that it still, like, has, you know – any level of, of you know gratification to this day you oh, know? it's, yeah. it's kind of cool i can always always fall back to it you know and and uh yeah it was it's, it's really neat to uh, you know it's kind of funny because mcgrath was like you know because then i started going off road later on yeah. and i was like i was the last one to beat mcgrath yeah you know? you, he, he went on to dominate you know so i was like my yeah well i beat mcgrath <laughs> it's like, i had to use that for a while it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah you were you were the answer to a trivia question for a long time you absolutely were until Carmichael came up. You know, it was you. It was Ty Davis. Um, actually, you got tenth at L.A. It was L.A. was the last one, not Pasadena. Um, so right. yeah, what what a. And so, what do you mean by twenty five hundred bucks? Like that was that's all I won. I mean, that was that was like my contingency at MSR. What? That was what I yeah. That's what I twenty five hundred dollars. I mean, it, it didn't. You know, of course, I didn't expect me to win the championship. You know, yeah, but <laughs> Honda like, Honda didn't have a championship bonus for privateers at all or anything like uh, that. No, I don't think so. If there was a <laughs> no, that was ninety. I yeah. don't think there was anything. Um, if, if it was anything, it might have been five hundred bucks. It was very. Oh minimal. wow. Um, and so, where did the on the line stuff start coming from? Because that's when I, you know, when I first, when I was a kid reading the magazines and everything, it was always a real cool company, and and they were, and you had split fire on your bikes also. I think I believe. So, where did that kind of come from? Terry was an enthusiast. And he saw me racing, you know, and he came up to me on one of the races. And then, you know, he was talking to the guy. And, well, you know, he wanted to get involved. And so then he came in and, you know, he had some money and he started helping me a little bit here, a little bit there. And uh, so that's kind of where he came came in. And then I did the 250s. And, of course, he wanted me to, to win and this and that. And, of course, I was struggling. You yeah. know, it, like yeah. I said, it takes me a year or two. And then I'm, I'm good. You know, I learned the ins and outs. But mm-hmm. so then he kind of got like he didn't like my results. So they're pretty much halfway through the year he just. Uh, I mean, I had no money, and uh, I went to a race in uh, Mount Morris and uh, raced it. And I was, you know, I borrowed a bike, and I was out in the, you know, le- left field with some, you know, privateer yeah. guy to loaned me his bike. And I'm like, this sucks. I mean, I don't want to do this. This is no fun. <laughs> and and, uh, and when I got back, he had canceled the check on me. Oh, and nice. I was like, so I was like, dude, I'm done. I'm done. And and that within the next week or two, ATK Motorcycles called me up, and they wanted me and Eric Kehoe to ride the four-stroke nationals. And they're going, yeah, we're going to give you $2,000 start money and $2,000 for every class you win. I'm thinking, wow. Nationals, nationals where I make four or five hundred bucks if I'm lucky, yeah. and I'm going to make two thousand at a local race that's 45 minutes away from my house. Yeah. I'm going to AT, I'm going to the, the you know four stroke <laughs> nationals. You're like, let me get used to that counter. Let me get used to that rear disc up by the counter shaft. I'll do that all day long. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's it's nuts that one year after you know winning a stacked Supercross title, you're out of the you're out of that discipline. You're out of the sport. You're you're, you're desert racing nuts yeah you know and, and you're getting more in it off-road um and, and it goes back to that 
you know, I've done so many of these where I'm just like, I can't believe that no one was like, this guy's good, but it just was so weird back then. Um, you know, you, yeah, the yeah. teams were already full. You know, you had yeah. the Bradshaws, you had the Emigs were coming up. Everyone, had, they had their teams were full, and, and there was no place for me. And I guess people didn't have confidence in me, yeah. you know, because I wasn't a dominant fashion. I wasn't a McGrath where he dominated. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I would, yeah. I was good, I was consistent, but I didn't dominate, you know. And uh-huh. I think that's what people were looking for at the time. And, and you know, and again, pointing out, you know, you you would have had a ride all day long with the number one plate in in '91, but you pointed out. So that was it. Yep. You know. So. Yep. Um, yeah. It's funny. Funny how just a little flip of the of a of a rule or a career or a decision somewhere along the line would change so many things, right? Um, yep. You just never know. Yeah. Uh, Ty Davis on the Fly Racing Racer X uh, podcast presented by Alpine Star Protects. Please check them out. Uh, FlyRacing.com. We appreciate uh, all of you guys listening. Um, so you got into the the four stroke championships and. Was this was was this a series back then, Ty? I don't remember because I remember later on it became no. a series, but it was more like a series of like one race here and there. Yeah, it was the White Brothers put it on every year, and yep. you know back then they had yep. you were riding XRs and DRs and yeah. all that. And ATK was like they had the, they had the cat's meow bike, they, and they <laughs> you couldn't beat them. They were just they were more motocross oriented bikes, right? And uh, I remember Kehoe shop, and Kehoe was just you know he was still you know, hot off the press too. And, uh, I remember beating him and I was like, I felt like hero. <laughs> I, like, I, you know, I mean, I was like, and I made so much money. I made like six, eight grand that, that weekend. And I was like, Oh man, and they were all excited. And then they knew that I had a off road background, you know, that I grew yeah. up in the desert. My dad, raced, yeah. you, know, you know, my dad raced off road and stuff. So they knew I had an off road background yeah. and, uh, and they asked me if I was interested in doing off-road, and that's when I said, yeah, I know. I've never done it, but I'd be interested. You know, I mm-hmm. just Baja. I've never been to Baja before, so Baja was kind of all this new, you know. I, I just heard that Kawasaki cheats down there, and <laughs> was, yeah, you know, but, you know, will you go down there with us and, and, you know, we'll pay your way and pay your bonuses? And I'm like, oh, okay, you know. And uh, okay. after, you know, after dominating after, at, at Paris, you know, four-stroke nationals, it was like, oh, cool, maybe I'm going to start doing, you know, off-road stuff, so. Wow, we did. We we you know, Baja was my first big thing with ATK and on the in advance five hundred. We pre- all right. Okay, yeah. So we uh, so after that four stroke nationals, we went down to Baja and um, and we went down for two weeks in you uh, know before the race and we pre ran pre ran and at the time I was just told that Kawasaki cheats. Talk, you know, Kawasaki has all these special lines. So I <laughs> went down every stinking dirt road, okay. figured out where it went did my homework. And, uh, when it came to race day, you know, we were, we were doing good. And, uh, about halfway around Kawasaki started having tranny problems Okay, and their bikes, you know, they were having issues. And we had this huge 20 minute lead and I was like, Oh, this is bitching. You know, this is awesome. And I, uh, uh, Ron Naylor was my teammate. Mm-hmm. Well, APK was, you know, kind of unorganized at the time and we, he missed a pit and we ran out of gas and then he had a bum gas and this and that. Well, halfway around, 250 miles around the race course, we end up, Kawasaki fixes their problems. We get gas, and we have a whole other, like, the race just restarted. And we're like, crap. And we had the lead, physical lead. And I get on the bike because I'm going to do the, you know, Ojos Negros area all the way to the finish. Okay. And um, I get on the bike, and I'm, you know, well, in that 20-minute lead, they never changed an air filter or any maintenance, you know, because they're so excited that we were beating Cowie. And, 
So I get up there and I get in the pine forest and the bike starts sputtering and I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? I mean, I, I got LR coming up behind me. Do I stop? Do I, I mean, what, what can I do? It's yep. Alan bolts and every crap, you know, it's like, dude, <laughs> do I keep going. Do I push it? You know? And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And, and the bikes get running worse and worse. And I only had like 15 miles to go, you know, and finally I said, screw it. I, I got to do something. So I took the seat off and I'm, you know, pulled the air filter out and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I hear LR going burp, 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 burp on one of my little cheer lines I had made, you know, I'm like right. son of a gun. So I stick the seat thing back on one bolt. I just take off and I'm going as fast as I can. And I'm in his dust and, you know, and I we come down this long five miles straight away to the finish and I'm wide open. And Maury Alley, the mechanic at the time is oh, yelling at me on to come by and I'm just pinned. And, you know, of course there's Mexicans on left and right. Yeah. You don't know if there's booby traps. You can't see your eyes are blurred, you yeah, know, yeah, going yeah. So fast. Yeah. And I get to the finish, and we lost by like 17 seconds. Oh, jeez! It was so disgusting. It was like, it was like it, it didn't have to happen, you know. Yeah. But AT, ATK was so excited that they gave me my win bonus, everything. You know, they're like, <laughs> you know, try, Ty, you tried so hard. It was our fault. We screwed it up. They gave me my win bonus, everything, and you know, hey, we want to sign you on for, and you know, for more races, you know. Oh, uh, so especially how, that's how kind of. Especially dethroning Kawasaki back then would have been so big. You know what I mean? Would have been well, so yeah. huge. Kawasaki had a good good program. They had a lot of good people. Yeah. They're very organized. You know, ATK was kind of, this, you know, ran by this guy named Ken. And he had, you know, had another packaging company. And, you know, he just kind of threw money at it and enjoyed racing and mm-hmm. enjoyed the competition. Yeah. So. Thanks to Fly Racing and Alpine Star Protects for coming on this podcast. Now here's some commercials from Race Tech and Michelin. Listen, all right? Thanks. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Racetech. The folks at Racetech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PULPMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hey, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. 
Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet? You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. Do you think a little bit of your moto background helped you in this kind of stuff or did it hurt you in this kind of stuff because you gotta be chill and calm down a little bit and relax and you know and all that but on the other hand the aggressiveness maybe of 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 hitting corners and and attacking the 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 track maybe that helped you a little bit i don't know i could see both ways no my moto skills is what saved my butt in off-road okay and my moto skills were by far when i came in especially when the gncc yeah you know i i did my moto skills that really helped me. It was the endurance stuff that I had to work on physical you know, fitness and stuff. It yeah. didn't last that long because when your body's trained to do 30-minute motos and you start out and ride for four hours, you just mentally bonk. And yeah. uh, it was something I had to learn. Um, so, But it, it, like, I was kind of getting burned out of the, the motocross thing. So off-road was like a whole new life. It was sure. like, man, I don't, have to, I don't have to go to Racetown and do four 30-minute motos. I can go out and I can go right from here to Big Bear. Or I can do, you know, it's, yeah. it just... Every whole new refreshing of you know riding again. Oh yeah, that's that's and, and again you're making some money too. You're actually making yeah. some money, which is good. Yeah, uh, somebody that wanted me, you know, was uh, like, well, I don't really care for the bikes, but you know, they really appreciate what I do and everything. And then, you know, I was it was me, Brian Manley. It was you know we had the, uh, the USGP at Glen Helen, and uh, we were out there you know training, and I was the guy to win. Like like dude, I was the fastest guy out there. I was the guy to win. And we're out there on April 1st at Paris Raceway, and I miss shift over some whoops, and the bike cartwheels hits me and uh, dislocates my shoulder. Oh, geez. (laughs) The wind before the USDP, and they were so mad. It was like, gosh, dang, you know. Yeah, so that, I was really bummed about that, but, uh, but yeah. So then, you know, I heal up from that, and then... um, that was towards the end of the year. They signed me on for another year, mm-hmm. and uh, we were out testing in the desert. It was at the beginning of the year, and um, Martin, um, I can't, uh, what's that? Owns Millville. Oh, John um, Martin. John Martin. John Martin. Yeah, yeah. John Martin at the time was our suspension tech. Okay. And uh, and he would go to Baja and help us there and whatever we needed. So White Power had sent us some new stuff to test, and I'm out there the desert, just him and I out there testing, and I'm out there going, you know through the desert, come across a uh, uh, track, and I, I, you know, it was like a big old, you know, lit, and I was like, oh, crap, and I, you know, I hit it, and then I just flew so high in the air and cartwheeled, and I was like, holy crap, you know, and 
and I get up, I'm dazed, and I you know, I find the truck, and I, I'm like, it's first run out. I mean, first 20 minutes, you know, and I'm like, I'm back to John. John, I'm so sorry. He's like, dude, what happened to you? I'm like, what? And my blood was coming out of the side of my eye, and, you know, it was like, and I go, I don't know. I hit this thing, and, you know, they come to find out the, sh- the shock shaft, they just come right out of the body. The oh, nuts geez. broke off. Oh, man. And it came, and did it ruin my hip. It was, you know, so then I was, I was out for another, you know, four weeks. And so then I come back at this national hare and hound. And but in the meantime, they uh, let Drew Smith ride my bike at these motocross events. Uh-huh. Well, he had crashed it. Well, ATK, you know, it's the shocks on the one side. Right. Well, right. they, he bent the frame. So I'm racing this hare and hound and I'm at the end of the first loop and I'm in this gnarliest rock patch out there. And I'm, you know, I'm just flooring it through there. And all of a sudden I'm on my head again. <laughs> and I, you know, and the big old rock patch. And I get up, I'm like, what the hell happened? This, you know, of course, I'm, you know, saying some good words. Yeah, yeah. And I, get, I get on the bike, and the guy's like, dude, you're shocked. I'm like, what? My shock, you know, I'm trying to get the bike right, up right. and started. And, and the housing of the shock just busted off. Because, yeah, Cause the, it's cause, just, it's twisted, right? It's twisted. <laughs> frame was bent. And so the whole time, the thing's, you know, at an angle, and yep, it finally yep. snapped the casting, oh. you know, and then I come riding in and. Dude, it was hard riding that big old heavy paint in the is this desert. The, it was yeah, like, is this the whole time? Is this the six hundred four or what are you riding? What size is this? Thing? Yeah, 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 the six hundred four. Okay. The six hundred four, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a beast. An absolute like three hundred and forty-five pounds or something, oh, you God. know. And and uh, you know, of course, they had me. We're going to beat LR, dude, and and Hamill, dude. Those guys were killing me. Yeah. Paul Kraus, they were they they left me. I mean, I was like, this sucks. I go from a you know, motocross top guy. I'm freaking, you know, eating crow in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it was, it was like, oh, this sucks, you know. But so uh, you joined him. Yeah. You couldn't beat him, so you joined him. Kawasaki came to yeah, you exactly. and and signed yeah. you up. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, ATK wanted me. They did not want me to leave. Uh-huh. You know, Brett kept telling me, you need to ride for Cowie, you know. And I, right. I'm like, man, ATK is this. And I'm like, okay, I, I made my decision to go for Cowie for nothing. I knew I was just going to be parts and, you know, support. But I knew their program entitled me, you know, give me a chance to become somebody. And I went down to ATK and and, uh, and I told them that, you know, I said, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, Cowie had offered me a deal and I'm going to go there and, you know, and, and they were like, okay, you know, and I said, I appreciate everything. Cause it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. And then when I got home, I, as soon as I got, I rolled up the door, I come in the phone rings and it's ATK and they're like, Hey, you know what? We're going to double what we offered you. Oh, boy. Like, well, Cowie wasn't offering me anything. I just BS'd yeah. them. <laughs> I didn't want to ride for him. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, and I don't know if you know Paul Akeda back at the time. He worked at Honda, you know, yeah. and so Brett and him were like, and Paul's like, you need to do the ATK. Brett's like, do Cowie, you know, and I'm like, so I ended up doing the ATK that one last year, and it was, okay. it was like, that was a bad deal. I was like, <laughs> that's when all the, that's when all this stuff I just talked about happened, you yeah, know, yeah. and then at the end of the year, you know, I had such a horrible year that I, I, I told Ken, I said, hey, double my bonus for the four stroke nationals at Carlsbad. Uh-huh. He's like, no problem, because I hadn't done anything. He's like, Ty's not going to win. Right. So Rex Staten and I, I, I got Rex doing Baja and all that. So he kind of comes on board. And uh, Rex Staten and I would go to Carlsbad for like three weeks before the, the four-stroke nationals. Every weekend, you know, as when they had the fuel-injected stuff, every weekend something would happen. The yeah. hose would melt. <laughs> this would happen. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to win this thing, yeah. you know. So I go down there, and uh, Terry Fowler was on a Honda, and, 
we we went at it and I pulled off the win and I had all the race bikes and they had, they were holding my money. They weren't paying me what they offered me. And oh. so I said, Hey, look, yeah. I said, you know what? I got the box van. I got the two race bikes. Give me what you owe me and I'll give you everything back and we'll move on. You know, <laughs> and basically uh, that's how it, that's how it had to end. Yeah. It, that's, it, it was, that was it. Know. Um, so then I had to go call Cowie and say, Hey guys, um, can I ride for bikes and parts? <laughs> oh, geez. Um, so who, whose idea was it to try the enduro series? Like, is that the Cow, Cowie came to you and said, can you try or were no, you like, no. I want to try that. Well, this is, this is another thing. It's funny because when I went to Cali the first year, I did horrible. Okay. And I was like, I'm not going to. LR was giving me rides. I had no money. LR was giving me rides to Kawasaki. That was my way down there because I couldn't even afford gas. You know, uh-huh. it was horrible. And Jeez. so, and my, my results weren't as good as what I expected. You know, um, they were kind of flying me here and there doing these events and, you know, and and I'm thinking, dude, I can beat LR, you know, and that was my goal, you know, and, yep. you know, he's, he's a lot older than me and he's kicking my butt. All these off-road guys, you know, Scott Summers are just kicking my butt. And I'm like, dude, I suck. I, you know, I really was discouraged. And after the first year, I pretty much was going to quit. I was like, dude, I can't, I can't do this. this you know, I got to find something else. And my buddy of mine says, you know what, I give it one more year. I'm like, all right, I'll give it one more year. And, uh, so then I, you know, give it, give it one more year. But, uh, so when it came to negotiations, at Cowie, you know, Hamill was making money, LR was making yep. money, and, and I, I knew I couldn't really say anything. I had to find a niche. I couldn't beat Hamill in the desert. The guy was strong, fast, yep. grew up out there. Yep. I, you know, I couldn't. LR was good at everything, but I could beat LR at motocross tracks, uh-huh. but I, you know, I couldn't beat him in, in off-road. So I said, you know, what about Enduro Series? And that's when Suzuki dominated the Enduro Series. And I remember Jose Gonzalez goes, kind of laughed at me. goes, you're not going to beat Suzuki. They got that wire. They know every little nick and uh-huh. cranny. They'll protest you. And nah, 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 nah. there's no way. And I said, okay. I go, how about this, Jose? How about if I go the first three rounds and I'm the top three, you send me to the rest of the series. And he kind of like rolls his okay, eyes. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. you know, they can do that. So we went the first three rounds and I was winning. <laughs> he goes, well, guess we're going back to yeah, Georgia. Guess we're yeah, going we east. Are. Right. Yeah. And um, they, they, none of them, none of them had confidence that I could pull it off. I mean, I was like, I have to do something here, you know? And I'm like, dude, is this a game? You know, I think like, just learn it just like them, you know? And, and, uh, I pulled off yeah, that, like, that year. I pulled off the Enduro championship. I don't, it, it's crazy that you're, so you're this really, really, really good Baja racer and, and doing so well at that. You, you've got the Supercross tile in your back pocket. And then somehow you pick up the timing of Enduros. I don't know. That's what it is, right? I mean, this is I'm not. This is the same series, like National Enduro Series. Forgive my ignorance here. This is like a traditional Enduro where you are time checks and you are all that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you have averages. You have to figure out averages. Yeah. So they, the ICO had this little cheat thing. They had you know 24 mile an hour possibles were you know point at point four tenths of a mile. It would be a possible. So on the on the way to the race, I would be studying those and memorizing them. And LR and I would be. You know, like, okay, I, you know, it just, because you got to know because different speed, speed changes all the time. So you have to know when the test yeah. possible checks can be. There's a lot to it. I know um, there is. That's but, why I'm saying, holy shit, Ty. Wow, there is a lot to it. You know? Yeah. So then, you know, I just, you have to play that game. And, and it was kind of fun. It was intriguing to me because it was a game inside of a race. It wasn't just the fastest guy. You had to be smart, too. And, uh, and the, you know, so when I went back east, it was like a whole, you know, uh, 
a whole new world, and I had to learn how to ride back east. I, like I said, I hate the trees. I hate going past the trees. I, it just wasn't me. <laughs> no, I was right. You're style, a desert you know? guy. Yeah, you're a desert guy. <laughs> yeah, so I remember, you know, Dave Gallon. We would go back there a week ahead of time before the races, and we were—I would ride in the crappiest stuff and the, the spider webs and all the trees, and, and it was hot and humid. I'm like, this sucks, you know. But so I had to—I I had to learn how to ride it again. Pardon my ignorance here. Are you riding a KDX or are you riding a modified KX? What are you riding? I'm riding a mod- the KX, KX okay. 50. Yeah, all right. Those KDXs were not good, by the way. So I was wondering about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's crazy. Uh, wow. So yeah, winning the enduro. Tra- so again, this must get you into the ISDE interest and that kind of stuff. Ty, at this point, you're like, hey, wait a minute, or they're, they're coming to you and being like, hey, do you want to be on Team USA? Yeah, they, yeah, they, that's when they, yeah, that's when they said, you know, I, I started doing the enduros and stuff, and then six days came about, and I know Dave Chase, um, you know, he was at Pro Circuit and stuff, yep. and yep. no, I guess he was, like, he was at Kawasaki at the time. Yep. And uh, they said, yeah, you should go to Hull, and it's sand. You're, you're a motocrosser. You'll be great at it, you know. And I was like. Okay, I've never done it before. You know, Dave will be a chase rider, da-da-da, okay. And I had no idea, you know, what I was getting myself into. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be badass sand tracks. And, yeah, yeah hell, hell yeah, you know. And uh, we got there in rain, and, you know, <laughs> it was like, uh, you know, the first six days I'm scared. I, my bike would barely pass down. We had to stuff you know, drywall, like insulation into the air box. Oh, I mean, geez. well, this little tip on the end that passed down because the motor made so much noise. It was, you know, <laughs> it was louder than the muffler. It was coming out the muffler. Right. And they think they just let me pass because I went back like 20 times. Yeah. And uh, I got myself in and, and the first section, you know, I was like, I didn't know what the speed average was. I just didn't want to be late. You know, I was yeah. so afraid to lose that transfer point. So I'm racing and racing and I get to the first pit and uh, they're like, you're doing good. You got you got two minutes, and I'm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Two minutes? That's it? Like, I, I just rode as fast as I could. I got you know another yeah. 160 miles to go. I'm yeah, like, yeah. are you kidding me? And and, and but then they, I get through the check, and I go, well, everyone else is late, so it made me feel good, you know. So it gave me motivation to keep going like that all day. And then at the end of the first day, there was only four of us that stayed on time the whole event. Oh wow! Okay, like, so yeah, yeah. It was all right. yeah. Then I felt really good, you know. I was like, oh cool, it's not so bad, you know, and. uh but and I would have been on gold that whole event except the uh, the pit service. They it was they ran you down through all these people and I missed my pit and okay. they let me go by and I ran out of gas. Oh jeez! And and I, I had to get a gas from a farmer and I you know I lost like two or three minutes and that put me on silver. But I would have I would have you know yeah. I would have been on gold. And there was only like four or five guys I think at the time that got on gold because of that whole mess up and I was so mad because that could have been a huge deal you know. Yeah. But that that was my first first six days it's crazy that uh usa is much better at six days nowadays speaking of that than than they were back then we we had some great riders such as yourself and, and many other guys going over there but as a team that usa could you know top 10 but it can never get close and in recent years ty it seems like team usa is is doing pretty well you know they're doing they're doing great i mean it's, yeah. it's awesome to see it's it's you know they've really brought it to life and uh you know, back and it's a lot of motocrossers that are going now, and and we have those sprint arrows now that really help. We know, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't have any of that stuff back in the back in the day. You know, basically it was off road guys. It was enduro guys, Van Hawkins, yeah, yeah. Summers. Yeah. You know, they weren't moto guys by any means, and uh, and that's and then six days. It's all they did. Europe. That's all they did is their races all evolved around that type of racing, and we never raced on grass. You know what I mean? It was like it was so foreign to us, and uh, you know. 
Keith Smith and I were pretty much probably the top guys, you know, because we were, we were motocross backgrounds. And, uh, you know, mm. that's kind of where where we would where we'd shine versus, you know, everybody. Everyone else did, did good, but we, you know, we were, we had that, you know, a little bit notch better. Yep. Um, hey, were you ever... Were you ever freaked out by riding in the desert, doing the Baja stuff, doing the Hare and Hound? Um, to me, it I, it seems scary, man. Um, I just, you know, you've seen riders pass away. Of course, Danny Himmel and, and Kirk Caselli, this two of the bigger names. But I, I uh, that freaks me out, man. Did it did it did it get scary for you? Yeah, and Baja, Baja especially. Not so much the Heron Hounds because the Heron Hounds, you know, you're on you're on a course and you okay. kind of you know right. you're reading the terrain and stuff like that. But Baja, yes, Baja, you're going you know super fast and you're and in these little channels of bushes uh-huh. and you're going and you know ninety mile an hour and dude, there's animals out there and oh, the animals sure. you know they spook them they run out in front of you. There's you no know, dude. I thought about that all the time. Every time you go down straightaway, man, I hope you know and you're. And you're always looking. If you see animals, you know you got to back her down because there's there's one animal, there's twenty yeah. more somewhere, you right, know, right. and you got to get get through that section. But yeah, it always, Dude, you would, know. And then those those yeah. cattle crossings, I always thought they would put fishing string across there and it would just decapitate you when you go over. I just yeah. got in my mind. So every time I go to a cattle crossing, I duck my head under my chest oh, <laughs> because geez. I was I was freaking like you know the, because the Mexicans, you know, they're they're you know they're not so you know. A lot of them are good guys down there, but you know, there's the, yeah. you know, the, the kind that don't want you down there. And, uh, yeah, there's so many things that they could do. You know, that was, I kind of got out of it when they started, you know, really starting to, you know, I mean, Johnny Campbell, remember they, you know, pulled him over and stole all his stuff. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's no, crazy. I, dude, it's, it's freaks me out. I, I would, I would be like scared to death of that. You know, you're just, you're going so fast that, and it's just a crazy country that almost anything could happen. But, um, so out of but it's all, fast in certain sections. Yeah. Uh, so all of this stuff, Ty, uh, the enduro stuff, the desert stuff, the moto, the supercross stuff, like what do you enjoy? What did, what did you enjoy the most? I enjoyed the I enjoyed Grand Prix. You yeah. know, I enjoy I enjoy going to Mammoth Mountain, <laughs> <That's> my <laughs> favorite track. And uh, you know, I enjoy uh, West Coast uh, forests. You okay. know, they're more the trees are spread out further, and you know, you can like, lean the bike over a little bit and right. some roost. You know, uh-huh. um, you know, Alligator was the worst race ever I've ever did. You know, um, yeah, it's just. It's tough back east, you know, and oh, yeah. that's why you don't see a lot of East Coast guys come out west to do anything, and that's why there was only a handful of guys that could go back east to win a win a championship, and that's why it was such a big deal for me to win a championship back east because yeah. you know, West Rodney was the guy at GNCC, right? You know, LR was the only other guy that could win you know events, and basically, you know, I was the next guy. Yeah, and right. that's pretty much been it for a long. Caselli, you know, Caselli came and he tried it. Um, you know, he he did okay, but yep. he didn't, you know, dominate like he thought. Because it, yeah. you have to learn. You have to learn how to ride East Coast. It's a completely different riding style. Yeah, it it, it really is. You're right. Kurdowski could never master it. Certainly had some good results, yep. but could never, you know, could never take the the top spot. And, and you're right. Yeah, it's just different, different terrain, different style of riding, different everything. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. Like when I started doing the GNCC, that's when it was uh, Ocala was the big opener, and that was a big thing. And yep. and I would use at the time I was riding Cali, and I would I would use endurance training as my training program. And when I came to Ocala, I was you know I had three or four weeks under my belt. I was you know strong, and uh, and I should have won that twice. And uh, one time was the last lap, the the wheel came apart, and Guy Cooper had won. Um, and then I followed up the next year, I won it. But uh, it was kind of funny, is that. 
my program with Kawasaki, uh, Reed Nardine copied when they when they fired me, and then they hired Fred Andrews. Uh-huh. They copied my training program, and they made Freddie. <laughs> they flew Freddie out west to run, do endurance testing for Ocala. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny, but uh, you know they knew that's that's what it took. You yeah. know, and uh, and the East Coast, you know, they're coming off their winter. They weren't really you know West Coast. You can pretty much ride year round. Sure. Um, and then you found a home at Yamaha, uh, kind of doing a lot of different things for Yamaha. And I was, I was working for the factory, I think, when you were still there in 03 and 04 and 05. Uh, I was on the motocross team. And, yeah, they, they loved you, man. They, you, kinda, you were like the, the Swiss Army knife of free Yamaha. They could just send you wherever, wherever they wanted to, to have a guy ride. You know, it's kind of neat. Yamaha was really cool because I was in charge of my own program. Yeah. It was kind of, it was really neat. As long as I got the results, they pretty much said, go for it, Ty. And, and yeah. uh, I gave them a lot of results. You know, I gave them their first national enduro championship also. And um, it, was, it was good. And, and I basically, when I got fired from Cowie, you know, I had nothing again. I was back to nothing. And Bill at Montclair Yamaha, you know, was like, hey, you know, let's put something together. And, you know, that was when the four-stroke first came out. And, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that's kind of how it started. And, uh, yeah, that was 10 years at Yamaha. Yeah. Did you ever do enduro crosses? Did you ever do any of those? At the very end of my career, that's when enduro cross started. Okay. You know, when Tim yeah. Clark started having it in Vegas, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, I was going to say, that's the, the final, you know, the final series for you to conquer, Ty, would be enduro cross. I, I know. <laughs> I know. And I and I enjoy that stuff. And if I didn't have a screwed up shoulder okay. and a knee, I would, I would love to go and do Erzberg and all that stuff. I, I love that kind of stuff. I mean, Chappie down at Kawasaki, I would just torture him and we would go trail <laughs> ride and we would do all kinds of stupid stuff and try to climb up stuff. And we enjoyed it, you know, and. And uh, once you ride a bike so much, you become one with it. Yeah. And pretty soon, you're like a trials rider. You you, you know you try, try you keep pushing yourself. You know. Uh huh. And uh, if I wasn't so hurt, I would love to go do those races today. I I love racing. I yeah. I just enjoy I enjoy riding. Um. You know. And my yeah. kid's coming up now, and so I you know go to the races with him. Uh, where's your number one play for the Supercross title? You got it still? Yeah. Okay. Just checking because I did one of these with Ricky Ryan and I said, Where is your eighty seven Daytona trophy? And he said he didn't know. And I'm like, What? <laughs> what? You win the most prestigious supercross and you don't know where the trophy is? Nah, I don't know. So Yeah. Good to no, hear. I have a yeah. I have a small small trophy room. Good, good. Small. Um what was your best race or races as a moto super as a moto guy in supercross or, or motocross? Like is there a couple days that stand out for you or a day that stands out for you that maybe you rode your best at? Um, um, motocross have been uh, Ohio, Troy, Ohio. Yeah, you know because I had, I got two thirds that day and I thought I had the podium, the best ride of my life, and it came easy. It was the weirdest thing. You know, you're so intimidated, and then all of a sudden, like man, it was just easy to I'm riding yeah. around. I was in third, like what the heck, you know. And then Donnie Schmidt went like four one and beat me out, <laughs> pushed me to fourth. Um, that was you know, in Supercross. You know, I'd won a, a Dallas. You know, won won a race there. Won. Uh, yeah. And Seattle, um, and Supercross, there wasn't really anything that you know really stood out as far as you okay. know, my favorite. All, all Supercross tracks seem to be the same. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Uh, where would you mm-hmm. practice Supercross, like in 1990? Where would you go? Would, would Honda let you on the track? 
Um, now, Honda was like, it was like a two and a half hour drive down yeah, there. Right. So um, at the time, my parents were uh, separated and uh, we had like 24 acres up here in the high desert. And I asked my mom if I could, you know, track and on the front eight acres. And she says, yeah, as long as you don't take out any juniper bushes. Okay. So I'm like, okay, that's all I needed to know. <laughs> so we built a supercross track um, all around, you know, all the bushes and stuff. And uh, um, Steve, uh, Steve from... Uh, from uh, B Force. Okay, oh, Tazanari. Steve Tazanari. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah. He's the one that started building my supercross track back in the day. He okay. was, you know, he, he was a petitioner, and and so I, you know, I rented a dozer. He came out and you know, start you know, got all groundwork for me and stuff. So that's how it, you know. And then I practiced that all the time, just motos and motos and yeah. motos and motos. Jeez. And back then, yep. nobody had practice tracks. Only the factory had practice tracks. So yep. Yep. as a privateer, it was a huge advantage to have a practice track. Uh, yeah, really, right? Uh, no, I know. It's funny how back in the day how they would practice for Supercross, just to go ride moto or whatever. You know, It was, right. it was nuts. Right. Um, what do you got for a bike now? What do you ride now? Uh, I have a Husky 450 oh, okay. that I ride. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, what's next for you? What are you, what are you going to do? You're just going to expand these uh, these uh, trips, or are you going to expand the business, or what's what do you want to do? No, I don't know what I want really. I mean, I, I enjoy bringing up writers, you yeah. know, bringing up guys and like, like Nathan Woods. I brought him. He was he was nothing. He was a motocross guy yeah. that was you know, pretty good, at top five guy at a, a four stroke nationals at the off road. His first race, I lapped him, and then within two years, you know, he was a champion. And uh, I pretty much took him under my wing, uh-huh. took him back east, and you know showed him around because he was looking for a way to make. You can make money at off road, but you, it's only going to be a few. So yeah. you got to be yeah. Yeah, really be good. good. Yeah. And, and and Nathan had that that mentality of a fighter, and uh, I knew he'd be good. We put him on the twenty four hour team, and he really liked it. And so I brought him for you know he won two championships. You know when I was riding Yamahas, I brought him on board, and um, he did really well. And then after that, he never really won a championship. He went to Kawasaki for a couple of years, and he went to Suzuki. Um, you know, Bobby Garrison, I brought him in. He lost a championship by one point. Um, you know, now I'm helping out Dalton Shirey. Okay. You know, he had yep. he was leading the championship last year in the pro pro class, and uh, you know, he kind of messed it up himself. But uh, but still, first rookie year, was killing it. Um, you know, I I have a. I feel that I have a good program here, all around program. Yep. Um, I can work with riders. Um, I have a good trainer that that trains them well. I, uh, you know, I help them with the suspension. I help them. I gave basically all the shortcuts to the top. Yeah. You know, learn yep. from me because I did it the hard way. <laughs> I'm like, you know, preparation and stuff like that. And you know, you don't. You know, guys are trying to do it on their own. Oh, I had this happen, or I had the air filter. Yeah, yeah. Or I had, you know, I mean, I save them all those little hiccups so sure. they don't have those problems and they get results. Um, oh, so yeah. I've yeah. been really successful with bringing riders up, and I was hoping that with Husky that they would maybe hire me on to bring up riders yep. because I've, you know, I've proven myself because they've hired people away from me. They tried to get Baldwin Shire this year away from me. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, <laughs> And, uh, you know, they had two, he had two contracts offered to him and he wanted to stay with me because yeah. he knows that my program is a good program right, right. and it's gotten him to where this point. So you're like a, uh, Alden Baker's factory for the off-road guys. You know what I mean? You know, Alden and all that, like, uh, it's, yeah. it's a little bit like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I enjoy that, but that doesn't make any money. <laughs> so, it's like, you know, it, it all does get your name out there, but it doesn't really bring any money. And yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like, 
Shit. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to look at something where I can you know make some money and and uh, I enjoy my my heart is in off road and 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 racing in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know I I would like to get a an an outside sponsor to where I could have a program. You know, and and you know, because I know yeah. I can race against the factories. I've I've sure, yeah, yeah. before when yeah. I was on Yamaha's, and you know, I enjoy competition, and and uh, so mm, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's, trying to find outside sponsors so hard, and mm-hmm. you know, right now we're looking like maybe we could find an investor because I got a lot of opportunities through my program to you know, this guy wanted to you know, yeah. do something in the industry. I could really you know help him out, and he could help me out. You know, but yeah. like I said it all comes down to you know dollars and cents at the end, and. You know, racing, you know, unless you have a yeah. company that you can promote or a guy, you know, you got guys that have got so much money they don't know what to do with, you know. Um, it's it's tough, you know, man. I have no, I, yeah. I, I can't compete, you know. Yeah, I, go, I mean, I go to all the Supercross motocrosses and it is tough, man. You know, at that level too, the, the RCH just folded up and, uh, man, um, you know, it, it trickles down from there into the off-road world and, and, and it is as as good as we are and, and everything else, it's still... It's really tough these days to to find these guys that see value in a race program, whether it's off road or whether it's Supercross motocross. It's it's uh, it's something that uh, it's a little depressing to be honest. If if you're me and you cover the sport for a living, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And you know the economy seems like it's rebounding it a does. little bit. Yep. It but, does. You know, but our industry's gotten so big with freestyle. You know, and it's just like we only have core. You know, there's only so many manufacturers and robotics. Yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're just so saturated. They they can't sponsor everybody, yep. you know. And uh, and there's only so much money to go around. So you have to go outside our industry, and uh, and that takes a full time person calling and yeah. and you know. And I just don't have the time. I'm trying to survive. I'm trying to pay my you know yeah. my bills. <laughs> just yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, having employees, it, you know, it's a it's a big thing that hit every week. They make sure you get payroll and and that, and you know, yeah. and so yeah. I and I never would. Thought that I would have the career that I had, and now I'm changing air filters and changing oil and pulling engines apart. I'm like, real like I went backwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to do what I got to do right now. And uh, at the same time, I enjoy helping. You know, you know, he's he's like the next guy that everybody wants, and you know. So, and I also, you know, I've been doing promoting races. I um, Grand Prix, which I've, you've heard, uh-huh. you know they've they've come back in a, in a big way. And I work with SoCal uh, Motorcycle Club, and we, you know, me on to help develop, you know, design the course, section, and stuff like that. And I've been doing that for three years now, and it's been okay, you know good. real huge huge success. And uh, I'm working with one of the big six clubs for uh, Havasu. They're going first time that big six is going to Havasu, so I'm going to help develop the course there. Oh, there you go, and, yeah. Yeah. You know, trying to, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, of course, you're only as good as your last race, but it was years ago. <laughs> yeah. You got to keep your name out there somehow. And, uh, you know, right. and I see a lot of mistakes for, you know, a lot of these clubs, you know, they're out West district clubs, they're not older guys, they're kind of burnt out and yeah, there's not yeah. a lot of up and coming guys that want to promote. So, I, you know, trying to promote it, trying to, you know. Mm-hmm. Make it you know go bigger out here. That's all. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully uh, this this podcast helps. We got a lot of listeners. And um, what a career, man! Supercross champion, Enduro champion, 
uh, Heron Hound. Yeah, not crazy. I, I don't know if there's too many people who can who can say that they've excelled at all these different disciplines. I I can't actually think of anybody. Uh, so uh, it's 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 really cool to talk to you and get your story out. And again, congratulations on a on a fantastic career uh, racing motorcycles uh, across the world and all sorts of different disciplines. Man, thank you, thank you for the time, Ty. I, I really appreciate it, man. And good luck with everything. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I just pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey,